Today's show is brought to you by DuckSeason.com. I've said it before on the show, and I'm going to say it again. But one of the best things that you can do if you want to go out and shoot some different waterfowl species is to market yourself for different trade hunts. Whether you want to go shoot some birds in North Dakota, you want to head out to the East Coast, or even head out to the West Coast, get on DuckSeason.com, offer some hunts for some other people, make some friendships, travel, do the hunts, have fun, and get to experience some different type of hunting that you never would have before with paying little to no money doing it. Our next sponsor we're going to talk about today is going to be Pacific Custom Calls out of Spokane, Washington. I myself, I'm a big goose guy, but the BA Lesser Goose Call is by far my favorite. I like to run the call fast. I like to run the call hard. I like to kind of have those higher notes and give it something different just to really read the geese. And I've had a lot of luck with the BA Lesser Goose Call. If the geese are crying, they're dying. And you can really, really throw down on that BA Lesser Goose Call. Next, we're going to talk about Waylon Johnson's guide service out of San Antonio, Texas. He's offering hunts for ducks, geese, fishing, or really anything else that flies, walks, or moves around. There's a couple different ways you can reach out to Waylon, and that's through Facebook. You can just contact him directly. His Instagram is at Waylon underscore 53. And lastly, 361-491-7868. If you've done some duck hunting, you know who... Big Al and what Big Al's decoys are. But if you don't know, they are by far the superior silhouette decoy in the game. And yes, I said that. They trump all the other ones. I personally, myself, again, I'm a big Canada Goose guy and I love their big Canada Goose decoys. I love the handle they have on them versus uh, other brands where it's just kind of like that signpost. But the Big Al's, they got that nice big handle grip. And you can push them right through that ice, the frozen mud, and get them in there and get them secure. Well, Covey took wing, shotguns singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three and looked back a grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload. The country was cold. Water Podcast. This is Garrett co-hosting day drew by what's up and then on the line we have chris Houston. uh chris was on last year for our snow goose series and he's back on again to give us more info but for the people that haven't heard last year's chris why don't you introduce yourself uh yeah my name is chris Houston. um i i'm an avid waterfaller like many in this country but for about 30 years uh i started hunting on my own when i was 15 and then i'm now 45 so 30 years i've been chasing chasing them snows and that's my most passionate uh, thing i like to do a field i really have trimmed down i barely uh, i barely hunt canada's and i hunt just ducks a few times i literally uh when i got free time for waterfall the snows is pretty much what i'm after nowadays but uh yeah, I've had a long history on the internet and online. Uh, you know, some of the sites I created uh, in the early days, the wild, wild west days of the internet, mm-hmm. we like to call it uh, back in the forum days. Uh, but those days, of course, are long gone, and now we have social media and reports are a little bit more scattered. But uh, uh, you're with not, that being said, you're not referring to review your gear, are you? Well, review your gear is—it's it, not a forum. 
Uh, it's it's long story short. Review your gear is like my pet project. It's not something if you go there, mm-hmm. you'll notice next to no ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really it does have a purpose for my full time uh, gig. Uh, I run Flyway Media, which does uh, we do a lot of hunting and fishing websites, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And Review your gear helps do our SEO. And uh, for those of you who aren't aware, that's ranking sites high in Google and Revere Gear helps us accomplish that. But uh, that's a little secret. I won't go any further than that. But uh, <laughs> So actually, I, I have used Review Your Gear. I've read several of your articles on there and like looked into it and actually implemented some of the stuff. So I, I used it. <laughs> well, right on. Again, it's it, if you've ever ridden, uh, I rode in Snow Goose Hunting 101. I don't know if you ever read that one. Yep. Uh, yeah, that one's a big one. Uh, I did one on walleye trolling, for example, that's equally as long. I mean, they're like 8,000 word articles. So, yeah, I typed a lot. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And this is my, like, this is me off the cuff, definitely. But if people don't know Chris and you're listening, Chris is definitely somebody that you should sit down with a pen while he's talking because Chris, I think you know this, but you may not have like the huge social media following, but I would say the quality of the people who like listen to you, like they are good. Like for example, like the person who mentored me, like Blake, like you instilled a lot into Blake and Blake's a killer. So Blake um, is a killer. All I'm going to say is that Chris, you know, you're so, <laughs> Speaking I like Blake, Snow Geese. Get on his ass and tell him to get on here. Yeah, no kidding. He's been dodging me for a year and a half. Blake hasn't been on yet. No, year and a half. He's been dodging me. He's been giving me people to put on in his place. Like half of my guests have been from Blake. Being like, hey, just put this guy on. I'm busy right now. He's been doing that uh, for a year and a half. Blake, I, not only has he got the personality for uh, a good show, but he, you know, like you said, as far as a killer, that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of myself in my twenties. Literally, I eat, breathe, sleep, waterfall. Mm-hmm. Like, that was what I did. And that is Blake to a T. Mm-hmm. I've taken Blake fishing uh, for walleyes, and the fishing was fantastic one time. And he's just like, so when are we going hunting? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's Blake. That's funny. So you had said, too, that or we had said earlier, like you were, we're just going to ask you just to dump 30 years with the knowledge in this podcast. But before we even go on there, I feel like we're definitely in a year that you've never seen before. So what is like your forecast for this upcoming spring, especially oh with yeah. us having no snow, 30, 35, 40 degree days? Yeah. What, what's your well, first off? I don't know if you've seen, but starting this weekend, it is going to start to dip down again. Yep. Up here in the Dakotas, anyways, you know, we'll be hitting close to single digits for lows. Now, that's really nothing mm-hmm. for February. That's typical, whatever. But for this year, of course, that's dipping it back down. I, I, I'll be honest. This, this last three days, four days, I've been crazy with work, so I haven't paid attention. But late last week, I know there was birds pushing up, as far as. Uh, the Mitchell Grant, not Mitchell, excuse me, Grand Island, Nebraska area, mm-hmm. and that line down there. Uh, I don't know if any actually made it up towards the South Dakota line. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. In fact, we actually have uh, some open water out here south of Bismarck that's had a small pocket of snow geese. Mm-hmm. That's just been hanging out all winter. I mean, that's just unheard of. But yeah, just a weird year. My guess 
First of all, I think the earliest in, since we've had a spring snow goose season, uh, the earliest I've ever shot a snow goose in North Dakota over decoys was March 3rd. So really? this year, well, the earliest, the season opens in two Saturdays. I believe it's the 17th of February. February. Yep. Yeah, but it usually opens mid-February, which doesn't matter because they're usually not anywhere close. No. Uh, but this year, you may see a few in February, even up as far as North Dakota. It really, you know, the ice the ice pack isn't necessarily that great, mm-hmm. as you know, with this weather we've had. There's been a lot of like pressure ridges that are starting to split mm-hmm. and apart. And the second we get a high wind day, because it's been really dreary up here and just calm, but second we get a, t- a typical north dakota windy day mm-hmm. i think you're gonna see a lot of stuff start to open up yeah i think so too back to your into the comment too i mean we have seen like the adults the stringers like where the adults will push way for like way forward i've seen them pushing in the late parts of february so i think you're right where i really could see it mid-February is when it's going to open up in North Dakota, and maybe we even have a pretty good flock. And I think it all depends on, too, like you said, what the lows are going to consistently stay at. Right. But, hmm. with, What's also interesting... Like this, do you think it'll be uh, like a bunch of adults will push through, and then we'll have like a big lull until some of the younger ones start pushing up and the juvies at the end, or you think it's going to be more normal? Like, are we overreacting, you think, to it being well, more like this? Yeah, I mean... It, as far if we're talking the Dakotas and it's February, winter ain't over. It's just not. Um, I don't care what kind of wet winter we have. It's just there's no way. I'd be and I can eat my words right, but I'd be shocked. I mean, we can get blizzards up here in in April, uh, and you're we do be, a lot. You're gonna be walleye fishing and snow goose hunting at the same time if you're not careful, you, though. You don't. Yeah. I have a tough time doing both. I try to get my snow goose itch scratched before I pull out the boat and get serious, but you're right. Uh, it's probably going to go down, you know, around the same time, uh, not to get off topic, but North Dakota on the Missouri river system is probably going to have a state record broke this year, uh, coming up from South Dakota because South Dakota's broke, uh, twice last fall and those fish didn't, you know, are just putting on egg weight. So you're going to have, you know, really big walleyes. I, you're gonna, yeah. You're when snow goose season is over and that river's open. I'm not gonna lie, gentlemen. I think I might be fishing for pigs. Hope you break it. Don't worry, I won't. There's too many good sticks out here that that will. But it just it'll be fun to try anyways. But uh, what's interesting, going back to what you said earlier about the juvies and the mid- adults, it's kind of an interesting scenario right now right away and i've seen this before i want to say it was like 09 or 2010 where it was a late fall or a mild winter and on the opening of snow goose season which is the beginning of february we drove down and hunted around squaw creek in uh, northwest missouri if you're you're a snow goose hunter you know squaw and at that time there was 900,000 geese that were on the refuge and keep in mind this was the back of the migration going south. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of flips around where the season opened up and you had maybe 50 or 60% of that 900,000, I'm just guessing, but a large volume of juveniles were in that mix. We had some really good gunning. Uh, and then it got cold, and which is what can happen in February. And then a lot of the birds are pushing back south. Mm-hmm. 
and kind of causing like that ping pong action. And that's that's actually drawn out our seasons quite a bit too in the past. So you never know. You you, you just don't know. <laughs> What's also interesting is if you get set up for a migration. And like, for example, I like to set a spread like a lot of guys do Mm -hmm. uh, for like maybe up to a week at a time, Uh, set it and forget it and ride the hole. And Mm -hmm. if you get those birds passing through and they get caught in that weather and they come back, those reverse migrators are some of the best decoying adults you'll ever see. Hmm. Uh, When they start coming back south and they just want, especially if you're on water, uh you know they're they're just they're getting back they're getting the heck out of dodge they know they're probably in snow or a blizzard mm-hmm. and the second they get to that they don't want to fly any further than they have to mm-hmm. but if, they, if you give them a reason boy it can be good yeah extreme weather no matter what it is I've, I've always had really good success with extreme weather but i've never had a day where i could pinpoint it down it was the reverse migration and because of it it made the birds frantic um and it kind of dumbed them down, but because you, so you're kind of one of the persons that turned me on to hunting to, to get away from like the feed field. So what I used to always do, like starting is I would just look for the biggest mass of birds. Then that's what I would hunt. And then I'd pull my spread and I'd do it again. And then I would do it again, especially with the adults. And, and it was miserable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we just kept getting our We've teeth kicked in like over and over. And, uh, yeah, you, I heard it, I didn't hear it from you, but I heard it passively from other people who talked to you. And they're like, yeah, you know, what we kind of define it as is find the corridor. So obviously we have, you know, the the flyway. But within that flyway, there's going to be these stringers where the geese are definitely going to run harder and they're going to have like historical movement day to day versus, you know, maybe just the whole flyway. So we really started pinpointing what we called corridors and started doing that and I would pick a dry bean field there'd be no geese in it but there'd be a ton of geese flying over it all day the day before and maybe there's a good roost to the south or the north and we had quite a bit of luck actually doing that with the adults and having some adjacent water nearby as well yeah I uh I've been like I've said in the I'm sure I said a lot last year (laughs) uh in recent years I'm just become a fanatic for pasture for the simple well for a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. one uh you can well, and oftentimes you can even drive a vehicle in it. Mm-hmm. Not saying we do, but in a lot of cases you can. It's hard. Uh, so it's really easy to get in and out. Uh, it holds water well, usually. So, you know, this year it's going to be tougher to have, you know, there's we have no snow right now mm-hmm. up here. It's dry as far as, you know, the field conditions. Some areas were still kind of leftover wet from last year. But for the most part, we're pretty dry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you get in the right water piece, uh, that makes sense. I just, like you said, you get in the right corridor, you're in the right place at the right time. I'll take water over fields for nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. For the migration, we're talking, you know. Yep. As soon as you get towards the back of the flight, then you want to start hunting X's again. But mm-hmm. I'm one of those weird freaks. I love hunting the migration mostly adults i don't mm-hmm. know why it's i think you get to a point when you get older that you just don't care about you don't have to shoot a pile every time to yep. say hey today was a good day mm-hmm. uh, i know that sounds cliche but i just love laying back enjoying the nice weather days which usually are the best migrator days mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot of sun. The bluebird days, 510 mile per south wind, let's go. You know, it's yeah. going to be, they'll be moving all day. Yeah. I think they call that a kink. <laughs> <laughs> but, so what you're saying there about water, that was one of my questions I had. If with this weather like this, you said we don't got you got you you don't got any snow. We don't got any snow either right now. So everything's dried out. We're not really gonna have much sheet water on the fields. Right. Do you think that's right. gonna affect things a little bit different? Like, are they gonna be roosting on just or I mean, hanging out either on big water and then going to dry field since they don't really have that sheet yeah, water option they, to hang they're, out in? They're probably gonna well. They keep in mind they're gonna be in a lot of small mid sized sloughs because they're the ones that are gonna open up. Yep. The big stuff won't be open. They may sit on the ice, you know, well, on the big, big water, stuff. That's what I meant. I didn't. I, yeah. Like they're not just going to go out to sheet water field and hang out for the full day. If right, right, no right. Sheet right. Water. Yep. No, it's a little bit different because, like, a lot of people will freak out. They're like, "Well, there's no snow line. There's nothing to stop them." But they still need water. Mm -hmm. They still need to have open water. So they're going to have to wait for stuff to open up, regardless. Yep. We have seen no snow line springs before. So uh, th this is nothing really new, um, but I still, th the problem is your water choices get tough because mm -hmm. pretty much everything that's got water is permanent wetlands. Mm -hmm. Permanent wetlands are a pain in the you-know-what, Don, because they're usually too deep. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to do a lot of scouting. You're going to have to find the right piece, especially if you're looking for moisture with, you know, water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, that was actually going to be what I was going to ask then too, is what does that practically look like for you this year? I mean, I know you're somebody where you, you'll study the snow lines and you'll look at sheet water compared to like historical corridors, like we were talking, but what is, what does that look like for you this year? Well, this year I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'll go on a limb. I'm, I'm going East again this year. I've been kind of avoiding, the main corridor over by Jamestown Valley area mm -hmm. uh, for the simple reason that the pressure is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been hunting out west where you have about a third of the birds in terms of numbers. Uh, your timing is a little tougher to hit. The windows are shorter, but you literally don't see other hunters. So, And the birds out here generally work a lot better for that reason. Hmm. Um, you know, because they don't get pressured. Uh, they just don't see spreads like they do out to the east. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to lie, last spring, they kicked our butt. When you thought the weather made sense and they were going to move, they didn't. Like, for example, the best migrating day out here last spring, they migrated into a pretty heavy north wind. And I was at home working. Dang. Because I didn't think they were going to move into a 15 18 mile per hour wind no. from the north and they did they moved big time it was the day it's the, the biggest day out here and i i missed it but you know that's hunting you know you mm -hmm. pick some you know, win some you lose some mm -hmm. yeah so i guess then what it looks like for you this year is just kind of going to historical spots and kind of getting away from the pressure and yeah i i have i I have some historic, it's funny, because uh, over the years, in the dry years, I have certain ponds mm -hmm. that I've used in the past. Uh, I'm going to pull out a pond I haven't used for almost a decade. Mm. Uh, I've already got, I've already secured permission, yada, yada, yada. So 
if it makes sense, we may set up there. Mm-hmm. It's perfect because it's it's historically doesn't get deeper and about maybe waist deep, so it's generally shallow. Nice. And uh, and it's only about an acre, acre and a half, so it's not too big. Nice. But it's big enough. Right? Yep. It's, it's hard to explain. It's just right. Yep. No, I know. It's right. And it's right in the middle of the best corridor. Nice. And then, uh, what does it have? Like, does it have a lot of cattail, or is it a cattle pond? No, it's 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 pasture. Nice. Yeah, no, that's I, that's hard to beat. Cattails don't work. Mm-hmm. If you have a whole, if you have a slough surrounded by cattails, pick another one. Yep. Yeah, there's a I just million don't have out good there. luck in it. So yeah. like, is there, if there's a stock dam, a bigger stock dam, that would be ideal. Yes. Here's the weird, the weird rule of thumb I have. Stock dams, they do sit in them. There's no doubt. The thing I don't like about stock dams is a lot of them just don't look right. Yes, the geese did use them from time to time. They'll use them for one night, mm-hmm. a stop and go type stuff. But I always said, if you look at a spot and you say, boy, I could, that would be an easy jump. Mm-hmm. That's historically not a good place to set up. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Snow geese are just geniuses at putting themselves in a the position where they're not going to get messed with, whether it's by coyotes or hunters or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And they have like that sixth sense too, expect because we yep. run around and we've jumped a lot, and it's like you'll know they don't see you, but it's almost like they'll wind you or something weird, and like the whole flock will get when up. When it goes and- quiet. Yeah, and it's yeah. like also it goes quiet for a second, and then they all get up. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Spread wise, this year we kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are you going to be leaning towards? Like, are you first off? Are you thinking they're going to rip through fairly quick if the ice opens up, and if they do, what kind of spreads are you going to be running? And then if it actually does cool down like it, they say it's supposed to, what what are you going to try for? Well, I'm, I pretty much I'm going to run the same spread regardless in terms of migrators. I mean, it's kind of a – it's 99% of the time for migrators a go big or go home scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, we put out everything in the kitchen sink usually when it comes to setting up on big ponds or whatever, things of that nature. This year, I mean, it's really no different. I did actually add more, uh, not a ton, but I touched up on some. But I primarily run Molsey Socks. Mm-hmm. We run a few full bodies in the hole, but uh, nothing crazy. We're, we're I typically run socks. Mm-hmm. We'll probably run around three thousand socks and and full bodies, so give or take this spring. What about floaters? Are you running floaters in there or no? Okay, floaters are the biggest pain in the butt in the whole spread. <laughs> uh, I think I think three thousand wind socks are easier to manage than even a hundred floaters yeah um but floaters can be killer so you know there's something about if you get the right wind and that floater is just doing that little back and forth or what you can't beat that and i I do run floaters i run close to a hundred the only thing i hate about floaters is as much as they're a pain in the butt like, if you know it's going to freeze at night, mm-hmm. I generally like to pull my floaters. Because mm-hmm. the next morning, you come back out if you don't, and they're all frozen into the ice. They look terrible. Mm-hmm. It takes – you're out there walking around trying to open stuff up. It still looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found it's best just to pull it to shore, and then the next morning, if you have a frozen hole, open the hole and then toss out the floaters. Yep. Again. Yeah, and break it up. We uh... – yeah. 
I think it was three or four springs ago, me and a buddy, we rented a trash pump and we okay. blew open a huge, it was like a pasture pond and it was a, like a cornfield surrounding it, super good hide. And I think we had 250 to 300 snow goose floaters out there. And oh my goodness, it was like every day it was a chore just to get everything set up, to get everything freed, like you're saying. You'd get weights Wait, that would freeze. I, think I remember this. Yeah. I think remember Blake telling me about this. Didn't you guys, I hate to put you on the spot, but didn't you guys put a lot of energy into that spread and then really had almost a bust here? Exactly. We, so, and that's the By thing the time too. We got it open, the rest of the water was naturally open. Yeah. And so once, once we got to look like really good, it was when everything else was opening up. And just like you said, it's like, was the effort really worth the outcome and, it, and to me it definitely wasn't because i'll be honest i mean we put a lot of work into it we put a lot of money into it thinking that hey we'll have the first open water before the adult snows like before anything else is really open and we chipped and we chiseled and we ran them pumps and no but i i will say i mean we killed out of that hole i bet we killed 10 birds and we didn't start killing stuff until we actually pulled that spread and uh we went northwest okay yeah so, so what did you what did you learn that spring from doing that? I would not ever rent a trash pump again and think that I could progress Mother Nature faster than she wanted to go. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I I always felt like if you sometimes and I'm guilty, I've done this. You find a spot, it looks so perfect, mm -hmm. but if it's not exactly where it needs to be on the snow line, if it's not sometimes as much as you try to plan ahead like i'm talking about this pond for example mm -hmm. but if 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 when the birds come here and it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. it's hard to force it you you know it's like i've had a spot where you know you're maybe five ten miles just a little bit into the snow line mm -hmm. but you thought it was just such a per well you know when you should have just used your instinct and just gone down to where the birds were mm -hmm. and find something down there on the fly but yep. that's that's what sucks about spring snow goose hunting it often takes a lot of money mm -hmm. a lot of time a mm -hmm. lot of sweat a lot of borderline tears to figure this stuff out mm -hmm. it's one of those things too where i wouldn't try it again but i also know like everything you're saying too is it would work in another spot we just weren't in the right spot Historically, where we were, we were on a pretty good corridor, but that year, everything was about two to three miles west of us. But kind of like you're saying, too, it's like we put so much you know, time, effort, and money into this stupid hole that we were kind of unwilling to leave. And uh, right. eventually, by the time the birds really pushed up, it was like, okay, at this point, we have to. So... No, I mean, I'll I'll wear it. We definitely did it, and it was definitely a waste of a waste of time. But one of those things where you learn, and you gotta try to make amazing happen, as I always say. So, <laughs> well, you just but but that again, that's you have to do that. Like when when you do that, and you work your tail off for literally darn near nothing. Mm -hmm. It is like a lot of these guys who are just getting into spring snow or into hunting or snow goose hunting in the last five years, I'm not going to lie, except for the, you know, the migrators part, it's been pretty easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a whole, like you go on, you go on social media, you're seeing piles after piles after piles. And I always laugh because 
man, I tell you what, you get a couple of years of bad hatches, mm -hmm. uh, you will not see piles like that. Very few, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it, you, it's, it's, you see a lot of decoy spreads go up for sale at that time too. Mm -hmm. You know, guys like screw this, you know, this, <laughs> but it, it's, that's, you know, you need that because it's not just, this isn't Argentina. You don't just take a <laughs> case of shells to the field and expect to shoot it every day. No, you know what I'm saying? I'm just mm -hmm. being honest. It's like, I think it's sometimes, you know, you want to get back to the roots of it all anyways, you mm -hmm. know, because it, it, I'm not trying to sound show my age, but you know, you just, again, you don't have to shoot a stinking pile. Maybe that's why I like the migrators. You shoot a 35 bird day. That's a pretty solid day. Yeah. On, um, on adults. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to keep it in perspective. Uh, and yeah, it's, and like I said too, with the adults, you know, if you do it long enough, you know, you, you get a love-hate relationship with those things. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to take it out on their kids. I want the adults. Yeah. Those those are the ones that are the toughest. That's the unicorns. You mm -hmm. know, you get a big white belly blue coming down the hole. Come on. That's mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm after. So. Oh, I know. It's There's the saying that once you see a coyote, it doesn't matter what you're hunting, it turns into a coyote hunt. For me, the moment I see a snow goose, it turns into a snow goose hunt. I don't care if we have all the mallards coming into the hole. I'm like, no, like I am shooting that Ross goose. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, there's a single about 300 yards out. Yeah, I know. Like, don't do it. No, no, just wait, just wait, just wait. <laughs> no, but yeah, so. I got my teeth kicked in by him my whole life, so I haven't ever got to that point. If there's mallards in the hole, I'm shooting them. <laughs> I get it. I get it. We had it. Too, we have it too easy out here in the Dakotas. So it's just, yeah. you know, it's fish in a barrel for most most times of the year for ducks, in my opinion. Well, while you're talking about your spread there, and you kind of you got your flyers on the wall behind you, do you yeah. really run those anymore? Like, do you put, um, put them in that big spread like you were talking about, or what's your opinion on them? For adults, there sometimes they work, but generally, if I was if I was to set a spread tomorrow for adults and a migrator spread, chances are I probably won't have a single thing with wings except for what's I'll I'll, I'll use like a 18 foot pole flag. We'll use a few of those. That's it. Sometimes we'll throw like flyers can work or rotaries and yes, of course clones, but I don't know on adults they. There's they're no they're no dummies you know, mm -hmm. I like to just mimic a very relaxed chill spread. Yep. Uh, I do like making a lot of noise. I run six e collars, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I got a lot of I got a lot of noise. But it's they're not loud. I'm only running those about 30 40 percent volume. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't like any dead holes when they're circling the spread coming down. Mm -hmm. You know how those horn speakers are. If you don't yep. have them pointed in all the proper directions. It's gonna get real quiet when they're circling, and I don't want it to get quiet. Yeah, yeah, that's what, uh, what that's an interesting concept too of like the sound and making the sound even versus just having it set up how just we would say like, oh, this is we're just kind of putting them everywhere. But yeah, I've thought of that too a lot of like, I wonder if it's the sound that's that's just making them kind of sketched out, or if that's what they're pinpointing, or what. Well, I, in the very early days of the e collars, like when we. Like we're going first couple springs. I remember snow geese coming up in the heavens. You know, this is back when we we're trying to figure this whole game out. And you know, back then you had tape player, Johnny Stewart's and whatever, uh, 
Loman collars, but uh, you, we would point them up in at the birds. And the second you turn that volume on, they'd lock up every time. So, you know, they hear it. I just wonder, you know, but in the early days too, I bet I lost a lot of my hearing from this too. We used to hold the speakers up in the direction as they're coming down, we'd move them around. No, I don't do that anymore. But we do, of course, I use 24 speakers. So there's going to be a lot of directions that those little speakers are pointing. What? First, I can still hear whatever sound Drew and Blake had there for a couple of years straight in my sleep sometimes. That uh, same rotation. So it's, I knew it's, exactly it's, when it would loop back. It snows it's on the prairie is what it was called. <laughs> but uh, I'm aware. What? Uh, you're familiar with it. You know the tune. Oh, yes. I know my sounds. Um, what's your opinion on I've hunted with a couple different people where some guys, they want to save the battery on it. So they'll shut it off and then they see a flock all of a hundred yards away and they flip on the sound right away versus the guys that leave it going all day. Do you think that really makes a difference or have you noticed it make a difference or what do you do? I run batteries big enough for them to run at least 14 hours. So they're going to run a full day. Yeah. I set it and forget it. I don't, I mean, like I said, I'm running six e-callers. I don't have time to run around and shut all those things on and off. Mm -hmm. I just, we set it and forget it. Yeah. Just be passive with it all. Yeah. But like I said, I, but I like to keep a lot, like maybe one e-collar that's right around us. That's working the hole. That one I may shut off for our sanity. Sure. You know, wise, if it's middle of the day, lunch break, of course, or whatever, if there's nothing moving. I was thinking too, kind of back to what you're talking about those flyers as well. Um, who is the, the gentleman in Fargo here? He SX, SX, yeah, SX decoys. Um, I forget it. Oh, Scott Butts. Scott Butts. Yeah. Um, because you were kind of talking about you know running that big spread and you were saying like high volume of decoys, but at the same time like less is more, especially with some of the the gadgets and the gadgets. Um, yeah. But I, I knew a guy who he went to Scott Butts and he was buying those SX flyers, and we were you know talking about hey we're using for adults running migrator spreads. And he bought 15 of them. And Scott's, Scott actually suggested that he get 45 before it even started to work. I was like, dang, the guy the guy who created the real wing. He also decoys, you remember, gentlemen. Yeah. No comment? No comment. No comment, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I won't, yeah. I we, we'll agree to disagree on a lot of stuff, me and Scott. I'll put it that way. We, we go back, I've known Scott 25 years. Sure. Okay. No, longer than that. No, whatever. It doesn't matter. You, I, I do know that you've ran with a lot of the the OGs of like the Dakotas, which I won't name them all, but um, that's fine. There's there's a lot of good hunters out here. Yeah, there are. <laughs> there's a lot of really good killers too. I agree. But at the end of the day, you know, that's again when you get older again too. It's just I I know. Have you ever heard the five stages of a hunter? You ever? If it's really spot on. Uh, there's many articles on it. Um, it it's the five stages. Uh, I can't remember the exact five steps, except for the fact that the first stage is you're the killer stage, right? It's all about kill, 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 shoot, that shoot, shoot, trophy, right? Pile and social media warriors, you know, all that stuff. And then you work your way up to number five, which is where, you know, you get older, where you, you know, you, you slow down. It's obviously not about the harvest. It's more about the experience. I'm stuck in number four, which is called the method stage. If I remember correctly, I think it was number four where I don't have to shoot my gun as long as I'm decoying. 
I just love to decoy. That's what my license plate says. I just, that's, that's just what I do. Uh, I, I, I have no, to me, if I see a perfect sneak, I just don't do it anymore. You know, sometimes, you know, the feeling you're driving by, you're like, Oh, look at that. Oh no. Oh, that'd be too easy. Yep. I, I just, you know, I, you, you, you come over the hill, you, you shoot your gun a few times and then you spend three hours cleaning it all up. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, to each their own, but, uh, I'm stuck in the method stage. And uh, as long as I'm like 14 hours, guys used to always give me crap because we go on these trips for like a week and I literally wouldn't take a break for like 13, 14 hours. I just lay in the hole all day, pack a lunch, you know, it just never gets old to me. So yeah, that's hard for those all day things. Are you just resting on a backboard or what's your I use, uh, it's called Alps outdoors. They have a layout chair. I, I think that's the most comfortable one out there. Um, Lucky Duck has a halfway decent one. It doesn't hold up as well. Uh, the Elbso door ones, to me, it's pretty well put together. I don't know how you could break that thing. So if I was to tell anyone you're going to get a good layout chair for a long days of field, it's a no-brainer. Right now, it's definitely the Elps chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I don't have any at all in the last hunt. Everybody around me had layout chairs, like Blake and all those guys, and I didn't have one. I was just laying there in the mud on my back. Put my Blake didn't have an extra back. chair for you? He had, like, five extra chairs, but he had six dudes along, and I drew the short straw. Oh, that sucks. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Well, back when I started, we didn't – Drew didn't tell me about any of that fancy stuff because we were broke, so it was just Tyvek suit, as many yep. hand-me-down decoys as we can get, old juvie jukebox speakers and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. Land an ammo bag. Just be miserable. No, I I, I don't regret yeah, it. Yeah, start somewhere. Nova's and uh, cheapest ammo they had at Walmart. I, I still shoot federal. Blue I box. had a Nova. It misfired the last time. I had a Benelli. And that's not to get off topic. I had a. Uh, I was with my wife. I was gonna get my first turkey right spring, and I, I, long story short, got one stomping in, and my Nova didn't fire. You know the old thing where. If you don't have it cocked all the way forward, mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes it'll drop back just to like a little bit. Well, my gun didn't fire. And let's just say I sold both Benelli's and I've been a Beretta guy ever since. But, you know, I, I, the, the Nova days, and I started with the same stuff. I started with my dad's decoys when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked my tail off so I can start buying my own through college and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And the rest is history. So, mm-hmm. I think the best thing a person can do if they're, if they want to get into the snow goose game is to one, not do it alone two not think you can do it all in one year. And then three, get, don't chase the crowd or, you know, or like the old saying, like keeping up with the Joneses, but get in with mm. like three or four, like solid dudes who will do it with you and who are consistent and if you can do that the sky is honestly the limit no matter really where you start no yeah i think you're right i remember like 25 years ago it was a big deal if you had a thousand decoy spread with north winds and now it's like (laughs) now you have to have at least that's like the starting point Mm -hmm. like the benchmark where everyone wants to start at my best advice if you're looking to get into it and a lot of people will disagree with me for saying this, and that's fine. That's the beauty of hunting is we all have different ways to approach it. Don't buy into the full body hype. No. Socks are definitely 
won't break the bank in comparison. You won't need a 20 foot trailer to haul it around. Um, they're easier to get in and out. Uh, and of course you, you can just grow numbers. Shot or ruined a lot cheaper. No, if you know how to take care of socks, they, you, they'll last pretty dang long time, believe it or not. Now, what about snow silos? Do you mix those in or do you no, just not, I don't use not silos. a silo game at all? No, no. Especially in the spring, right? And the migrators, they're way up looking straight down. Those decoys disappear. Those dang kids with their flat decoys and flat bills on their hats. <laughs> well, so- I follow... I follow one of the uh, hate groups for one of those decoy the companies bought, that you were the, the, Yeah. The hate group. They kicked me out You're, of it. Why? Because I uh, they there's right when here the last couple of weeks or whatever they're cracking down on people being mean and there's this one a dude posted on the dive bomb forum of he was a fat ugly dude and he had like a kid with eyes pointing different directions and said they're watching the newest dive bomb video and I shared it into the dive bomb hate group and they kicked me out of the group. Uh, I didn't think it was as funny as I did, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> it's I, I, I get a kick out of it, but uh, it, yeah, it is what it is. You know, there's, I mean, the, they're they're great little decoys. See, I, I'm coming old. What do you got there, dive? Oh, he's got a dive bomb hat. I I grew up using the real geese. In fact, I got real geese pro twos. I got ten dozen. Jeez, I've have had those things since early shit, almost 20 years yeah i want to see dive bombs take year 20 years of waterfall or abuse mm-hmm. corrugated plastic just won't cut it it just won't i, I agree with you too i think the, the 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 dive bombs least right now they're set up more for one if you're going to use snow goose with them it needs to be a mixed spread it needs to be you're shooting some darkies you're also shooting some lightkies if you really want to make it look good and effective and then, yeah, it's one of those where it's just a marketing thing. Pump it out, get the people to buy them, and then when they break, you just buy more because they're cheap. Hey, I, I'm I'm not going to hate on the marketing peeps from a marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dive bomb guys got it figured out. They I mean, look, have you noticed lately? They're making everything. Pigeons. <laughs> but switching back to decoys, though, the, you, so you run Silos, right? Silo Sock brand? I have a lot of silo sock. I run all lots of brands, but right now my main, so I have a lot of silo socks, a lot of sky flies. Uh, I okay. really like the sky flies. Um, I did have a lot of dive bomb socks, uh, but they're, they got shredded. Mm-hmm. The backbones just completely shredded the bag. So I don't run much of those anymore, but uh, yeah, silo socks and sky flies are the majority of my spread. Sure. I actually, so my first spread was, uh, you, you remember Green Bay Windsocks? I do. I had 600 Green Bay Windsocks that I bought from an outfitter in, I think he was down in Missouri. No, Eaglehead Outfitters, that's who it was. That's, that's who I bought him from. And uh, Familiar. Every single one of those decoys had a shredded bag. So I spent an entire winter uh, taping every single bag because that's all I could afford. Um but yeah, so and it worked too. I killed a lot of geese over those. I love the sock dance of like how as long as you don't have like a twenty five mile wind, oh they have that bounce and they kind of just sway back and forth. And if you like step back and you look at like you know even five hundred of them, it looks like they're just moving and they're feeding up a field or and they look good. Yep. I really like those. If you know how to work socks, like um, there's ways you can 
just pin it to the ground in high wind. I mean, there's different ways you can actually use the, that type of decoy depending on the wind. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, um, the owner of Silsox, if you've ever had a conversation with Mr. Drew Liner, Jim is one of the one of the nicest uh, first class gentlemen you'll ever meet. Hmm. Um, so I've always been a big supporter of Jim's. Uh, he likes to stay out of the limelight. He puts Jones, uh, Prairie Wind, you know, he, he yep. kind of does all the, he's the front man, I guess you could say. And, and Drew Liner's fine with that. He doesn't need any, you know, notoriety. But, yeah, he's been quietly making those solid decoys now for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're still for sale. And uh, I don't. the last time I was on the website, uh, it was still – it still kind of had like that old feel to it, but I mean, they were still yep. sold out on the website though. So <laughs> they, they definitely no, work. Uh, they, there's a time and place. I there's, we use what's called Silo guards, which were made by another company. Uh, Bob Barron's was his name. Waterfall junkie he makes the bird hitch. Okay. He made what's called Silo guards for a while. And there was a plastic mold where you slide the sill socks down and the stakes stick out of the container. So that way, if they're muddy and wet and everything, yes. you're not getting the moisture on the bags and they're not rusting and yep. all that stuff. I've got eight of those and they're just, they're awesome. I can put like, I want to say around 120 or so or per carrier. Mm-hmm. So they're awesome. You can't get them anymore. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now where they kind of, it's like they compress everything down into it and all the stakes will stick out one direction. My next question then too was, so I know this isn't something that you do like every single year or even prefer to do, but what is your advice for somebody where they're switching from those, that adult migration to the juvie pockets and kind of how would you approach that? Truth be told, if you really... If you're a stage one, okay, it's an easier way to put it. If you're more of the stage 100 type, like I was describing earlier, if you really just want to shoot your gun a lot, you're going to be more happier if, you, if you're if you patient. I'm just being honest. The best thing that you can do is while the, the geese are moving through the migration, find us something else to, to take your time up, save your time, work, do whatever, and about usually give or take about two, three weeks after the push comes through, that's when the juvies show up in really good numbers. And with that, you don't need a large decoy spread. You need to be on the X. That's the key. You, you switch from the, the permanent spread and you got to hunt the X's like you would in the fall. And I don't care if you see us, and you're going to hunt a lot of small pots. So a 2,000 bird feed might actually be a huge banger you don't because often they'll come in very small flocks the the best way i've kind of described it is it's almost like how you would hunt or how you would scout for like september 1st uh big canada geese is what i would do find the pocket and just hunt yep. the holes yep we we used to joke we just call it bobbers and worms you know it's just you just got to be there you know three four hundred decoys an e-collar Maybe a few flyers. It does just got to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the other one then too is I was going to ask about extreme weather. So what's your what's your take? And I know you don't always hunt it because you're talking about having the bluebird days and that's kind of what you would like to do. But how does extreme weather usually play into a hunt? 
And for the migrators, I want to be south of them. Obviously, like I said, I want them coming back south. Uh, if you've ever been in, I mean, let's face it, if you know there's a big blizzard coming, it's going to shut the migration down. Mm-hmm. See, so you might as well pull it. And that's one bad thing about running socks. If you're going to hunt in a blizzard, those socks fill with snow. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go walk around and empty every single bag mm-hmm. when you pick up. It's a pain. It's yeah. a pain. So I, I don't do it as much for migrators. If it's juvies, they're not going to probably push out unless they really have to. So, mm-hmm. again, it's one of those be there scenarios. The only bad thing is uh, with juvies is roost. They'll often feed very close to the roost. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure you're paying attention to the wind and things of that nature. Yeah. Roosts are meant to be jumped. <laughs> ah. If. Hey, teach their own if that's how you want to do it, man. I'm just saying it's. Um, we're going to be out of in a week anyways. May as well have fun with them while they're there. <laughs> well, that's probably why we hunt roosts in the spring and we leave them alone in the fall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask another spread question. Has there ever been like a spread setup or something similar where like you've got a hill that you're dying on, you think this is the right way to do it, everybody thought you were wrong and you ended up being right, or vice versa, you were trying to die on the hill and you ended up being completely wrong, and what would you have learned from it? Like what mistakes Are you talking about just hunting uh, on any given spread or? Like snow goose spread, like if, like if you got an idea or if it's like near water, like have you ever had any crazy ideas that you thought would work that haven't or thought would work and they ended up actually working? Oh, uh, well, first of all, if you're a snow goose hunter, that's all you do is have crazy ideas. I mean, you, you don't you you don't want to set the same spread that they've seen a million times, you know, especially the adults. How many decoy spreads do they see in a 12-month span? It's incredible, depending on the which flyway, of course. But so you got to do something different, and to do something different, I'm guilty as charged. I've done some of the stupidest stuff you can imagine, and generally, doesn't work. Yeah, you know, trash but pump. <laughs> sometimes you got to test little theories, man. That's how, just like you said earlier about opening that water. I mean, once you're pot committed, you know, you you, you just you keep pushing, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a learning curve. You, yeah. Like I said, you got to have some of those failures to really expect the good days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what grows the wisdom too. Successes. <laughs> um, what was that? I said I've had a lot more failures than successes on snow geese. That's for sure. Everyone has. Mm-hmm. But my last one I had written down. Um, <clears throat> when did you feel like you started to figure out snow geese? If you have, but. When do you feel like I don't you know. actually, how many years does it take? See, no, here's the thing. Because like I said, I've been hunting these things 30 years. And yeah, you'd like to say you have a lot of experience and you've knowledge, blah, blah, blah. But I can tell you, I could go out this spring and get my butt kicked like it was my first time. Is that And that, again, is the beauty of hunting these darn snow geese. You know, if it was like I was referencing earlier, if you really just want to just shoot a lot go to argentina or canada or mexico you know but if you're here in the states battling those birds you just it's all about grinding and you know but at the same token if if 
I know you've done this before. You set a spread, you're all excited. And then you're after the first day and you have three birds on the ground, you're like, okay, should we do something different? Should we pick up and move all to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's, and that's a real scenario because sometimes you'll hunt adults. One day you'll shoot three. You may not even do a thing with the spread. And the next day you'll shoot 80. You just don't know. It's just snow geese are weird like that. Like they'll fly all day. Like they don't want to stop. And then all of a sudden at whatever 2.30, whatever the time is that day, they just a switch will flip and they start coming down. You know, it's like their migrate flying time is over, you know? Yeah. That internal instinct too is, it's honestly fascinating. I would say I, you even see it with like kind of what we were talking about the corridors where you will see like flock after flock will turn exactly at like this bean field and then they'll fly east three miles and then they hit before they head back north so yep no we we have a flyway out here outside of bismarck which is funny because no one thinks of bismarck as a flyway for snow geese but believe it or not <laughs> we got one well they do like you said they go over they they fly i'll tell you for people who don't know they go up to what's called long lake in uh which is a big route south of steel in north dakota and then they go up to the northwest towards mckenzie slough it's up this valley of uh of sloughs and then they cut right to the north northwest over this one field if you're not in that line forget it mm-hmm. and, I, and i know this for a fact because i've i've learned the hard way uh if you're even a mile and a half off that flight line you're probably not going to shoot potentially anything. It's incredible. They they just they really stick to that flight line. Hmm. Yeah. It's a man with confidence in himself just giving away an exact flight line like that. I, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if you come up here and you spend any time watching the birds, you're going to see what they do. They do the same thing every gosh darn spring. Yeah. Snow geese are definitely one of those things where if you don't know, you don't know. But if you do hunt them a lot, it's no secret. But just so right. you know, Chris, we're like going to – oh, what are you going to say? I was just going to say one last tip before we go. The coteau is the same thing. The, the coteau that goes southeast or northwest of North Dakota, they fall right along that coteau. Hmm. No secret. Right up Highway 281, and then they curve to the northwest right with that coteau. Mm-hmm. They hit that blinky light. They must. Yeah, yeah. you see all the wind towers. And they and they go east and they hit Absaraka. And then they <laughs> roost in Absaraka for two months. Yep. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, I appreciate it. I think this is the first time I've actually talked to you uh, on the phone. But uh, I've been a fan for you for a very long time. I've I've definitely read a lot of your stuff. You're somebody that I kind of like look up to and definitely look to for wisdom. So. Let me know when you ever uh, push out snows 102 on uh, on review your gear. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely. I appreciate the kind words. You know, I just like to hunt these darn things, just like everyone else. Uh, I just happen to write a lot about it because it's, it's a way to scratch the itch. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. If we don't hear you from you uh, before the snow season starts, good luck on that, and then good luck chasing around your state record walleye right afterwards. I want to see pictures when you get them or her, I guess. I'm going to call it right now. She's going to go, gosh, she's going to have to go close to 18, I think. I don't know. We'll see. That's a big fish. I know, but they're out there swimming down there. I'm serious. Yeah, I've seen the picture of the South Dakota ones you're talking about. I saw them. 
the solid picture yeah. floating around right away. So it would I was be down there last Thanksgiving. It was incredible. Some of the fish we pulled up. I mean, just the fattest walleyes eating Cisco's fattest walleyes I've ever seen. Ever. Hmm. The summer when we get bored, we're gonna have to do a fishing episode. Get you give out all your walleye secrets too. Oh, <laughs> well, well, that's that'll be another interesting episode. But uh, uh, as much as I love my walleyes, uh, snow geese, though, that's 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 been my passion even longer. So well, this was fun. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on for the second time. Any closing words you got? Go out and vote. Yeah. I was like, you got me. That's pretty rare. You get me in a speechless moment. <laughs> I Yeah, don't get me political. I don't think we got enough time for that stuff. But uh, no, good <laughs> hunt to all you guys. It's going to be a great spring. Yep. A lot of juveniles. Um, get out there and enjoy it. This is going to be a great year for it. Yep, hunt hard. Yeah. All right, thanks. Have you a bet. good one. You too. Take a kid hunting. Yeah. Will do. I'll well, see you wing. Shotguns singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And Danny got three and looked back, grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload.